Welcome to Dragon Talk. My name is Greg Tito, and this is... Shelly Mazanova. She has not eaten in four hours and may have a catatonic uh, breakdown hungry. pretty soon. I am getting hangry. Uh, but that's what we do here on the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. We starve people. We starve people until they say crazy things. That's what happens. We got a good show uh, coming up for you. We have Anna Prosser Robinson. I feel confident this is a good show. I feel confident. Yes. Yes, because she uh, delves into what's happening with her character for She's Dice Camera Action with Chris Perkins, which happens on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Um, and as well, uh, we got a lot of other stuff amazingly going on on our Twitch channel. So if you're listening to this, you should go ahead and check out twitch.tv slash dnd. You'll get our full schedule. Uh, again, Dice Camera Action is happening on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Before that, I come on for about a half hour and give you some Dungeons & Dragons yeah, news. I just learned that. Yeah, it's fun. I saw Nathan watching yeah. you guys. It's just you. a way to get some uh, some more folks into uh, Dice Camera Action and then some of the uh, announcements, and then Chris can just do write the story. He doesn't have to worry about doing any announcements on his own, uh, which is part of the idea. Uh, but that's Tuesdays at 3.30, right before Dice Camera Action. Also on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Pacific time is Maze Arcana. Satine Phoenix is uh, dungeon mastering that one. Uh, they have, uh, there are about three sessions in. I think this is the third session this, this week, and it's kind of amazing. Um, you can also check out... Uh, on Wednesdays, Miss Clicks D and D Risen uh, at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, Anna talks a little bit about that in our interview. Yep. Uh, but then following that, at 7 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesdays is Maze Arcana with Rudy Rutenberg, uh, Dungeon Mastering. Thursday, I will be talking to the Girls Guts Glory folks, uh, except for this week, which it won't be me, but we will figure it out there. Uh, I'm giving you the whole lineup here for you listeners because there's just so much Dungeons and Dragons stuff that's all in tune with Tomb of Annihilation, the story that we. Read recently announced at the stream of Annihilation. That's, that adventure is coming out when? September, September 19th. You got that part right. September 19th, and it's going to be in stores, uh, game stores, that is, September 8th. So that's pretty exciting. Any other D&D products coming out this year? Xanathar's Guide to Everything oh. is coming November 21st. Everything. It's in game stores November 10th with an alternate cover. Oh, it's good. Designed by artist Hydro74. It's pretty amazing. Oh, I meant to br- oh, Next time I'll bring the actual visuals so you guys can see this. Oh, it's yeah, pretty we darn can do cool. Visuals. Yeah, we can do visuals now. Uh, and uh, But the first uh, way for you to jump into the Tomb of Annihilation story is on Neverwinter, the action MMO that's on PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Um, that adventure uh, will release on July 25th on soon. PC. Yeah, very soon. That's coming up really soon. Um, so you'll be able to check uh, that out on PC. It'll come later to Xbox and PS4. Um, but uh, Neverwinter is a really fun MMO. I think that you should check out, if you, especially if you're interested in all the D&D lore uh, around the city of Neverwinter is where you start out from like the first uh, 60 levels or so and then as you get to the le- later stuff, there's stuff in Tyranny, there's stuff from uh, Out of the Abyss, Storm King's Thunder, uh, they fought the Frost Giants, uh, Elemental Evil had a thing going on. They had all their own like original stories that are going on. So very recently there was four uh, mad mages who returned and took over the city and you got to fight against them uh, with the high level content. And then they're going to Chult. They're going to the jungles of Chult uh, uh, for this most recent uh, expansion called Tomb of Annihilation. Again, that's on July 25th on PC. Um, Girls Guts Glory is on Thursdays at uh, 2 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, we have a new episode of that coming out. And then, of course, uh, High Rollers Uncharted Territory is popping 12 noons on Fridays. And uh, Dragon Friends from Australia is doing their final uh, – the, the, well, they were the final group to premiere. They did their premiere last week. 
and it is uh, uh, going to be their second episode this Friday, 7 p.m. Pacific time, or 12 noon Saturday if you're in Australia. Wow, you remember a lot of things. I, I, I do have a, 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 some, some cheat yeah, sheets going on Yeah, but you didn't look here. at it for that last bit. That I was didn't. really impressive. A lot of it is in my head. There's this is just lot in case I forget. on the D&D Twitch channel. There's a lot of stuff on the D&D Twitch channel, I'm trying to say. So those of you listening at home, please go check that out. You can also, of course, just watch video on demand of us recording this very episode you're about to listen to. And Anna, uh, Prosser Robinson, is going to discuss her character from Dice Camera Action after we uh, have this amazing segment, uh, which is going to be Lore You Should Know. And uh, we're going to listen to that right now, right? Yes. Unless, did, did, you, yep. want to, did you want to make it with the Big Mugs? No. No. You make it. Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and I am joined by these uh, illustrious lore masters, Mr. Chris Perkins. Hello. And Matt Cernan. Hi. And today on uh, the Lore You Should Know segments, in which we uh, delve into bits of D&D lore for things that you can put into your game, as well as uh, talk about upcoming stories, uh, this is one of the B columns of that one. Uh, Tomb of Annihilation is coming out, and uh, it's set in the jungles of Chult, and of course there are goblin kind in the jungles of Chult, in addition to dinosaurs and skeletons and skeleton dinosaurs. Uh, and uh, But the goblins there are of a much different... Uh, Oeuvre uh, than other goblin kind. Is that right? It's true. They, they, they are without the influence of hobgoblins and bugbears. And yes. so that has allowed them to flourish in <laughs> distinctly different ways. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so back in uh, uh, when we were doing uh, these Lurie Snow mag- segments for Volo's Guide to Monsters, uh, we talked about th- that. Uh, uh, society and how all the goblinoids. So if you're confused about that, mm-hmm. go ahead and check out that lore segment. Uh, but uh, yes, the they're, Batiri they're, goblins—they're no are longer the bottom rung of the totem pole. The bo- bottom of the totem pole. They are the totem pole. They are the entire yes. goblinoid yes. totem pole. They're, they're the be-all and end-all of goblin kind here on Chelt. So how did they uh, get here? Is it or, or well, in this situation? So they've been there for, in Chelt for a long time, but sort of the the collapse of the. Um, Ishao sort of society when Mesro kind of um, first disappeared or whatever allowed the Batiri to kind of flourish and become their own thing. Uh, so there's a period basically where... Hey, there are no humans killing us off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't know why, but um, hey, this is good for us. Fruitful and multiplying. <laughs> What's the god of the, the Ishao name? Uptao. Uh, yeah, Uptao basically says, you know, hey guys, I'm, I'm annoyed with you. I'm leaving, as he tends to do apparently. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Mesro kind of uh, sort of vanished and turned into this mystical place. Um, that the they city, had, the lost city of Mesro. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so during that sort of power vacuum when all of the tribes started sort of having to fight for themselves and all that kind of stuff. That's when the goblins and that, that was that was probably oh I just had it up on my screen. It was a it was a while back. Yeah. Um it was a couple hundred years, years ago. More than that. It was it was negative one twenty DR. So that's that's over that was a hell of a long time ago. Yeah that's that's over a thousand years ago. Yeah. Four, four, one, Almost fifteen hundred years ago. Fifteen hundred, wow. yeah. About that. Wow. Okay. So ancient history. Yeah. Uh, classical times. Is, and know, there's been roughly, oh, what does that mean? 700 generations of them. <laughs> 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 of Batiri goblins? Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, so they've 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 kind of developed their own kind of culture and customs, yes. uh, independent of their 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 goblinoid folk. Well, yes. they they are without um, the influence of hobgoblins and bugbears, and therefore largely without the influence of Maglubiet. Uh, and these sort of servitor uh, goblin gods. Mm-hmm. And so um, in a way, kind of aping the, the worship practices of the humans around them, uh, they would take on uh, sort of local deities and things like that. Kind but the goblins... Totemic culture. Yeah, mm. but the goblins, they take on deities of like, you know, that Tyrannus Rex over there. <laughs> or the, the piranha fish who right. ate their cousin. That yeah. hive of sturges. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they start worshipping any threat like, to them. Yeah, basically, yeah, basically anything scary. That's yeah. right. And so all these sort of scary motifs came up in their culture and their tribes would be named after them in some cases. Mm. And then that, that became their, their war symbol if they were like mm-hmm. warring against each other or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And so you'd see stylistic emblems or renderings of these beings uh, that they, quote unquote, worshipped uh, appear in their iconography. Mm-hmm. And there was enough natural predators there so they weren't able oh, to kind of take over the entire jungle, but they, they were able to find a small... And they're goblins. They're just not organized. Enough. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're sort of uh, settlements or groups, tribes. I mean, they're, they're 20 to 200 at a time or whatever, but they're fighting with one another and you know, all that kind of stuff. Now, we don't, do we actually know where Batiri, the word, comes from, whether that's a goblin word or a human word? or a, Do they I call themselves Batiri? Unclear. Unclear. All right, so that's something that you can kind of think about as yeah. you're... As you're as you're planning out this story, yeah, yeah. I mean, my my assumption is that that is uh, the name that they are given mm-hmm. by the people of Chult, um, but I do not. Yeah, like that would be the human yeah. word for. It might have been given to them goblins. based on some like Batiri, maybe something traceable back into the goblin lexicon, mm-hmm. something that humans heard or first contact with a gob a goblin may have this word may have come up or been spoken or misheard or God knows what, but yeah, they're known as the Batiri, but they're basic. They conform in all physical respects to goblins. Right. They uh, haven't evolved differently. They just have right. a different they're not culture. Some, they're not sort of twisted into some other kind of goblin creature. They're straight up and up goblins. What distinguishes them is how they dress and act given the climate in which they've grown up in. Mm. Um, the idea of using war masks to terrify their enemies Uh, A concept that we introduced that's kind of um, uh, was this idea that in order to make themselves more terrifying, they will not only don the masks, but actually stand on each other's shoulders so as to appear taller, uh, which had the added benefit of allowing them to reach things they couldn't normally reach, like fruit hanging from trees. Mm. And so the the sort of practice of these goblins standing uh, foot on shoulder, foot on shoulder, and coming at you in times of wars, these sort of <laughs> battle stacks, we call them, was kind of an interest, interesting concept. And just the, the whole idea that that seems like a great idea on principle. <laughs> <laughs> and then they start running forward, teetering and tottering, <laughs> yelling but, at the one at the bottom. Oh, oh going the too things slow. that can go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you can imagine situations where, you know, this was great. They could cross a river because they'd be, you know, 10 feet tall, except all the ones at the bottom would oh, <laughs> drown. So the only guy who would make it would be the guy at the top. And he's the one who's wearing the most scariest mask. So, of course, he'd be right, happy yeah, with that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's, it's almost irresistible to have a little bit of camp 
um, in, in dealing with goblins. It's not always desirable. And, but honestly, Bateri are just as mean and cruel as any goblins anywhere, but mm. we do have our fun with them for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think in, in Cholt, it's more common for um, Bateri to also be, uh, well, I want to say cannibalistic, but um, they, any species, right? So as opposed to like typically in D&D, you, you don't have right. goblins eating yeah. people. Right, you know. yeah. But yes. they're just like any food source is a food source. Right, yes. The okay. least dangerous food source is a great food source. Do they have uh, uh, any kind of you know headhunting kind of uh, culture behind them? Is it you know is that part of it? Um, I wouldn't say so necessarily. I mean, I, I mean, they I suppose they could, but right. you know, any random tribe could. But they're they're also sort of localized into their own deities and ideas of what uh, is sort of uh, a strong symbol or that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of individual tribes, uh, they're like little matriarchies. Uh, they a Batiri tribe will typically elect a queen. Elect a queen, so not even hereditary. It, uh, yeah, I mean, the queen is usually the, she's a bully, mm-hmm. um, uh, somebody who is smart enough to uh, slap people slap people around <laughs> who are disobedient, <laughs> uh, who's got a sort of a force of personality. Doesn't necessarily have to be physically the strongest, but um, the other go- goblins naturally bend uh, down before strong personalities. Right. So a queen will normally preside over a small tribe in an isolated corner, and often goblin tribes won't really talk or intersect with each other. It might be circumstantial that a goblin tribe is driven out of one area into the reach or territory of another, Mm. and they might work together if it's mutually beneficial, or one queen might beat up the other queen and take both tribes under one. Uh, And then um, in Tomb of Annihilation... We, we basically say there are goblin tribes everywhere, and you can meet all sorts of them, and they've all got their own identities. We do discuss one tribe in particular, and that's the Biting Ant tribe. The Biting Ant yes. tribe. Yes, uh, who's, um, they've got some interesting things about them. They tend to work ant motifs into their wood carvings and masks. They live, their, their village is located near giant anthills. Mm. Um, and these ants can come teeming out of those hills uh, when, when the goblins, you know, do certain things. So it's a nice defense that they have. Uh, they've also got a very uncharacteristic defense, which is that they've built their village on a giant trebuchet trap mm. so that if serious danger comes, they can basically fling the entire village through the air. The entire village? Yep. So, boing! Yep. Boing! And then they didn't think through how, nope. how they were going to land? <laughs> nope. <laughs> There's no soft pillow set up exactly, nope. you know, 337 they, feet away. They, they've got the, the whole getaway part figured out. Just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. The, the, the one is the matriarch on top of the one. Yes. So they, they will break all the falls. And, and, and the queen grab stab. She found some, uh, something was found in the jungles not too far from where uh, they're community of Yeliarch is based an, an amulet, a talisman, mm. and uh, she wears that around her neck as a sign that she's the most important goblin in the village. Queen Grabstab? Grabstab. What they don't realize and what she doesn't realize is that amulet actually has an interesting and uh, potentially very helpful power. For them specifically or for adventurers? For adventurers who are fortunate enough to come into possession of it. Ah, Grabstab see. herself and none of her minions have figured out what this amulet can do, but it's pretty juicy. Nice. 
All right. Well, that's good to know for adventurers going out there. Yeah. There's something. So hopefully the Biting Ant Tribe will inspire DMs to create their own versions of, of Bateri Goblin Tribes with different funny names and different ways of doing things and who have adapted to their own part of Chult in their own wondrous and weird way. Was that your goal with with uh, outlining one tribe yeah, to be like... to essentially serve as a, uh, an inspiration for DMs who can then go off and create their own tribes with their own peculiarities. Neat. That's a cool idea. Yeah. I, I like that kind of uh, adventure writing design where it's like, yeah. here's the thing, I mean, we but simply, make it up. We don't have the space to, to do really more than one, but we figured this one's colorful enough, interesting enough that DMs might be inspired. And I, th- I like, too, that there's you know details about that tribe that tickle you guys and that makes sense but then an, another DM yeah. might it might not be so tickled so he might yeah. or he or she might make something it also that like, reinforces oh, something that's kind of true about goblins in a lot of cases they they are opportunists who take advantage of whatever terrain they're in they sort of modify it to suit their needs yeah. and if there's another creature that's living nearby that isn't going to just kill them outright they'll use it to their advantage in the case of the biting ant tribe it's the ant hills right and do, did you detail what, how they're able to make the ants attack? Is it like smoke and incense or yeah, they've got, drums? Yeah, or they, they've essentially got um, – they can, they can call them out with uh, drums or uh, nectars and things like that. So Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's a terrible way to go. It is a terrible way to go, being <laughs> devoured by ant swarms yeah. while goblins are cheering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Jolt is all about. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, during the stream of Annihilation, uh, Danny Hartel and Holly Conrad dressed up as goblins, and they That's got to right. play around and have a lot of yeah. fun. Um, their their work. Yes, they are now our most famous Bateri goblins. Exactly. Yeah, they're 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 they're, they're what I think of now when yeah. I when I think of that that group. So, uh, if you haven't seen it, go check out. Uh, I think on our YouTube channel we have. Uh, a short video detailing how they made it a little bit and uh, uh, as well uh, I think Danny Artellas actually just did a, a craft hags uh, episode in which she was uh, uh, talking about how she was making some of the props and stuff uh, mm-hmm. from that so that's yeah. really interesting if you want to go check that out yeah craft hags is definitely worth checking out they recently made the hand of Vecna yeah which I, is really cool I have always loved that artifact uh, mm-hmm. so it's cool to see it kind yep. of realized uh, uh, in real in real space uh, Matt is there anything more about Baturi uh, that you want to hit on before we move on they are uh, uh, kind of an interesting little subset uh, part of this this Tomb of Annihilation thing. That what makes me feel uh, uh, when I was mentioning headhunting and stuff like that, it was because it was uh, evocative of that lost continent kind of mm-hmm. feel of like you know explorers coming into an area and what they would experience uh, uh, in, in that kind of area. So it, it fills a lot of thematic niches in the adventure. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like the the Batiri goblins um, because it's it's just a fun way to have. Uh, to explore those kind of ideas and um, and use uh, something that isn't a human. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the problems we have with with a lot of genre fiction is is that oftentimes we sort of exoticize the the other in humans as opposed to you know other creatures. So. And I guess on some level, it's more socially acceptable to kill a goblin than someone. <laughs> Pygmy pick, pick uh, human culture in the D and D universe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, uh, yes, I, we, we, that's a discussion for another time, <laughs> dealing into all those things. In fact, things. it probably isn't more socially acceptable <laughs> 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 when it comes right down uh, to it. Uh, but that's what, that's what characters uh, have to deal with, right? Yeah, that's yes. uh, the murder but hobo-ishness. It's, it's a great way to bring in something that's pr- ever-present in D&D, goblins, sort of one of our stock, iconic D&D monsters, and just 
find a niche for them in this far-flung corner of the world. Yeah, and I, I would encourage other DMs, you know, to A, do what you did as far as uh, uh, coming up with new Batiri Goblin tribes, but think about that in your homebrew yeah. setting, like different ways yeah. that... And Batiri Goblin traps and, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, like right, that can that make it feel not just uh, yeah. uh, like generic goblin, but... It's, it's definitely a nice sort of lighthearted element of the adventure, which sometimes can get very dark. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That is always a good thing to make sure that there's some comic relief going yep. on. And that's something you always try to do in all your adventures, right? Yeah, well, um, not necessarily. I mean, there wasn't a ton of, well, I'm, yes. <laughs> the short answer. As, I, as I'm doing the mental review of any adventure I've worked on recently, it is 100% true. Yeah, and the percentage might change. The percentage might change. The, the level of comedy in camp might change. But yeah, there's definitely, that's definitely a thing that gets me through the adventure writing process. And uh, I think helps DMs um, helps sell DMs on the on the story or these little bits of humor. Awesome, love it. Uh, so, if uh, uh, our listeners want to bug bug you for any more details about Petiri Goblins, how would they do that? Again, my Twitter handle is Chris Perkins DND. And what about you? Mine is at Cerna S E R N E T T. Great. Uh, and I am at Greg Tito, and uh, that'll be our Lore You Should Know segment for Batiri Goblins. Check back uh, Dragon Talk next week and other weeks for more segments. Thanks, you guys. That was a really good segment of Lore You Should Know with Chris Perkins and Matt Cernat. It really was. Bing bong, bing bong. <laughs> we could have totally used that. <laughs> It was really fun. I they every time the guys talk about things, I I, I love uh, interviewing them about it because I'm like, oh, I learn new things and I get more inspired about things I'm going to add to my campaign. Don't you? Yes. Yes, I do too. I do. I do too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to add cheese to my campaign. I want to add cheese to my campaign too. <laughs> Did it come from uh, the people who created cheese? Like who created? Like in the D and D universe, who created cheese? Good question. The dwarves? I don't know. I think Probably. the dwarves. Yeah, I'm going to go with dwarves. Yep. Yeah. The other day, Quinn asked me, who makes paper? Oh, the Egyptians. <laughs> is the answer to that question. They call Mr. Greg. Yeah, because they started hammering out papyrus. Where does paper and then... come from? Or where does it come from? I said trees. Well, that is generally true, right? It's a renewable resource. I know that. Did you, did you tell them about that? Recycling? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. Yeah, we talked. Yeah, because you're a good parent. Mm-hmm. You should have no guilt whatsoever. Mm-mm. Well, you're Rocky, the recycling fix-it pup. It's, wait, does he recycle? Yes. Oh, I don't That's watch a lot thing. of. I don't That's watch his, a lot of. His doghouse turns into a recycling truck. Well, thank you, Twitch Chat, for naming me Rocky because I do recycle. Thank you. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and fixing. We should uh, stop talking about recycling. I mean, we should always talk about recycling, but we should stop table that discussion right now because I think we want to call up Anna Prosser Robinson to get an interview going. What do you think about that? Yes. You I think it's yes? a great idea. All right. Yeah. We have, we Say have yes quorum. to the guest. We, we have quorum. <laughs> Let's call her up. Hello. Oh, there hey. you are. Hey. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we're, this, we're gonna do this for forty-five minutes, just on Sweet. a loop. <laughs> Sounds like a perfect interview. <laughs> How you doing? Really good. How are you? Good. It's it's Monday, even though it doesn't feel like it because we've been talking here for two hours. But yeah, it's Monday. It does feel like Monday to me. I, I had enough coffee, but I could use a lot more. <laughs> yes, all of the coffee 
and potentially a hiding place. I would like <laughs> one of those. Just a small one. Oh, yeah. and we just put your picture up to the left uh, or the yeah le- stage left of oh, us. Oh, it looks like she's talking right to it us. It looks like you're talking at us, which yeah. is kind of amazing. That's my if talent. I, if I turn <laughs> when I'm not there, if I, I turn like I'm this talking way, to you. Am I facing her if I'm this way? Uh, or this way? way. No, this way. You had it. Yeah, there you go. That okay. way. That's the way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I like it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, uh, well, you guys are already warmed up. This is great. Totally. I know. Yeah, we're we're in the in the zone. We've been as it punched were. in the face a few times, hit with a chair. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I didn't know that this was WWE edition of Dragon Talk. Well, I was going to ask you about Glow because I saw that you oh, were tweeting about Glow. I just finished it I've last been night. Watching it. I just watched episode ten last night. It's so good. Well, I think Bart watches episodes without me, and what? then I like I don't know what's happening, but I'm kind of. You can kind of. Catch Did you up. finish? Have you finished it yet? Yes. I love it. So Sorry, good. Don't, they all I die at the end. I not spoil anything, but it's so good. <laughs> well, we also, Bart was also watching the documentary about those women. That's also yeah. on Netflix, and that's also yeah. very good. Very good. I have yet to watch that, but it's definitely on my list. I'm really excited to watch it. Maybe that's why we were so aggressive today, because we've all been watching the show. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it definitely does make me feel more, like rough and tumble to put it euphemistically I walk in I'm like I want to body slam someone want to scream it's great it helps on a Monday I don't want anyone to do that to me but I want to do it I want to do it to someone I want to learn how to fall like that without really hurting myself because I look at that and I just do not understand how I would not break all of my body I don't know I really don't know I don't either. And I think uh, uh, you've got the perfect outfit Anna which I've seen you with the the jumpsuit the red jumpsuit that you have yeah I think that'd be perfect for wrestling yeah, it'd be really good. It was funny, too. I don't know if since you mentioned that I was into glow, you probably saw my Twitter and I was posting pictures of me in a glow type outfit. And everyone was like, oh, that's so cool that you put together a glow cosplay so quickly. <laughs> and, I was like, and I was like, lol, I've had these photos for like four years. This is just my aesthetic. So, <laughs> yeah, multi-purpose. Yeah. So I was ready. I was ready for glow. That's amazing. Uh, so, uh, for, uh, Dragon Talk listeners, this is Anna Prosser Robinson. Uh, we've, God, we, I feel like we just talked to you like two months ago on the podcast. Yeah, not long. Yeah. Right before we launched, uh, or announced Miss Clicks D&D Risen. That's, That's right. That's right. Yes. And the Stream of Annihilation. And the Stream of Annihilation. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, what, uh, we didn't really get to talk, you know, like debriefing a little bit from anybody. So, what was it like from you being, being the host of the Stream of Annihilation? What, how did, how did the weekend feel to you? Man, it's hard to talk about Stream of Annihilation without just geeking out. Uh, the, word, the word that I keep using is defining because wow. it was kind of uh, – my, my D&D journey is ongoing, you know, and there are many things I kind of discover about the wonder of role play and about what it means to me over time. But I think the Stream of Annihilation was kind of a culmination of a lot of things like having played with the Dice Camera Action crew for um, a little over a year by that point. Um, and and getting to hang out with some of them in person, and it being actually very close to the four-year anniversary of the creation of Misclicks and our first Dungeons & Dragons show, mm. and um, kind of being in an environment with so many people that I instantly had something in common with, which was that we love Dungeons & Dragons and all wanted to play together and just make believe together and imagine together. It, it really, something broke through for me that weekend in terms of creativity that I had been just kind of waiting to, <laughs> I don't know, to rush forth. And so it's it's been since then a lot of really cool inspiration has come forward. A lot of collaboration with a lot of those people has happened. And uh, it, it I can't 
say enough how how cool of an event it was and what a privilege it was to be the host because I kind of got the excuse to to talk to absolutely everybody Um, and all of us being kind of the the half show people that love being on camera and half introverts that can't talk to a person one-on-one if a camera's not on Uh, (laughs) and having all of that kind of be forced on us was really really cool yeah, I think uh, there was a lot of that going on because I think uh, one of the most memorable uh, quotes from Matt Mercer about the event was that it was the largest gathering of people with imposter syndrome yes. in the world. Oh uh, my and uh, I don't. For those of you who don't know, that's like the idea that like you have success in your chosen uh, uh, you know realm or world that you just can't believe is true. Like in a, in a certain mm-hmm. way, right? Like you're like that. This must be. I must be some imposter that people think I am. I am uh, important for some reason. I'm just playing Dungeons and Dragons in this case. You know, it, like and the feeling that you're faking it basically. Yeah. That you you're finding success, but if people knew who you really are or that you were really unworthy, then you wouldn't have that success. And all the stuff that you were talking about that that, that was so many of the people feel like they're extroverts in their characters, but they're actually mm-hmm. introverts. Uh, uh, as far as, you know, uh, that was probably the most time I've talked to someone, you know, for 48 hours straight, you know, it was like a right. nonstop social interactions, uh, which can be really draining on people who don't do that normally. And everybody was doing it because they felt like they were in a safe place. They were with people who who, who had the same thoughts and needs and desires and, and problems that they do. Yeah. And who genuinely wanted to express support and encouragement for other people's creativity, right. too, I think. And there was no one that was you know, threatened by or uh, bored by or any any of those negative things by anyone who wanted to explain a cool story or character that happened in their D&D game or who wanted to talk about a project that it inspired or how it had helped them get through a hard time in their life. And those are things that I think when you're talking to someone who maybe hasn't played Dungeons and Dragons before, it's hard to get them to understand how cool and how important that is. So talking to so many people who just get it and, and would encourage me to tell them those stories was very... Um, very encouraging and inspiring and it helped me kind of break through this idea of like it's okay to talk about these things because people want to hear them you know yeah that's what i thought was was cool i mean so much of it i I liked i loved hearing like the squeals when people would like recognize one another or finally get to meet face to face but also um there's no it didn't appear that there was that there's no competition between these groups even though like everybody like you're all kind of doing the same thing it wasn't like, ugh, like there's those girls got glory group, you know. No, yeah. like everybody was excited to yeah. meet each other and cross over and be on each other's streams and um, and help promote one another, which is just I I felt like that was kind of unique in especially. I think you're right. A lot of you know we we were theater majors. We know right. what, what yes. actors can be like sometimes, and there wasn't any of that. And especially on streams where you know a lot of our livelihoods are wrapped up in the success of our content. And so it's very easy to fall into this idea that if someone's doing something similar to you, they're stealing viewers or something like that from you. And, and I hate that mentality and it's so hard to fight. And I think Mm -hmm. you're right that this group was characterized by not a single person Mm -hmm. acting or saying or doing anything along those lines. In fact, I had so many people invite me to come play with them and and invited so many people to come play with me and those things are coming to fruition in fact i haven't actually said this out loud to anyone but here you go exclusive (gasps) yeah exclusives i'm uh i'm headed to la this weekend i'm gonna play with maze arcana oh yeah yeah so and i just hit them up i was like were you guys serious because i'm coming and i'm gonna come play with you and they were like (laughs) sweet 
Oh, that's yeah. going to be great. You better be serious because I'm going to hijack yeah. your stream if not. Hi, I'm here. Let's play. <laughs> that is cool. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah, that was exactly the kind of stuff I wanted when I was putting together all these like disparate groups from all different worlds, you know, from the UK, from Australia. Like, let's get people who wouldn't normally meet uh, and who are kind of creating similar stuff, like to to have that sharing and melding of minds. Yeah. And it's so and they did. They amazing were, like, to see it all happen. So supportive and so like from. Like helping to promote each other. And I don't know if this is just because we started the conversation talking about Glow, but that's funny about Glow, too. <laughs> and that all the women, like, they're ostensibly supposed to hate each other and fight each other and, you know, have these uh, uh, relationships that are, are, are you know, uh, 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 contentious, right? right. That's right. the whole theater of it is. But what struck me about that show was that they, they were a community. They wanted, mm-hmm. they were building each other up. They had birthday parties for each other and things like that. Like, you know, right now, I don't know. So basically yeah. the stream of annihilation was our glow is what I'm trying right. to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, it's characteristic of a, a small community of people doing things they love that they encourage each other to keep doing that thing they love. But I think what impresses me even more about this community is that I feel like I get support, encouragement and kindness from those people, even outside of Dungeons and Dragons, mm. you know, on social media and things, we're all kind of, now that we've met in person, uh, especially, there's a lot of that joking around together or, you know, I'll post something that I made and people will be like, that's really cool. Good for you. Keep doing things like that. It's great that you're creative, you know, just these encouraging messages. And I think that's kind of been my goal this year is to spend more time being encouraging and being around encouraging people and um, doing things creatively that grow from that encouragement. So it's been really, really cool. Nice. Oh, good. Well, thank you so much. I think your your hosting and Kelly's hosting was a big part yep. of uh, uh, that was uh, Kelly Link, of course, who's in D and D Risen, uh, uh, Miss D and D Risen as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also and that was a big part of it too is that you guys were not just these uh, uh, you know uh, hired guns to come in and talk about a game. You know, <laughs> like you are part of the community. Yeah, and, like uh, your enthusiasm was genuine when you would hear about some of these new initiatives. Yeah, that was really nice as a host because I do a lot of hosting work and generally I get really excited about what I'm hosting about. But there's always those times where I have to kind of, you know, take a deep breath, get some energy, think about why this is exciting and then go on. Whereas at the stream of Annihilation, it was so easy because the whole time I was just geeked out and excited anyway. So I didn't need to manufacture any of it. (laughs) Yeah. And even though we were exhausting you with that schedule of of two days, it was still like, (laughs) yeah, energy is still there because it's, it it was D and D. Yeah. I I was talking to my coworker, Brett, who's also on risen. Um, and she was like, you, I don't know where you got all that energy. Cause you went so hard that weekend because I would finish hosting and then I would go play some D and D until they kicked us out of the room. And then I would go out like to a bar and hang out with people. And I did that every single day we were there. And I generally don't have that kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't, I can't burn that hot for an entire weekend, <laughs> but I did. <laughs> Uh, kudos to you because I could not. I was like, I, this show is done. I'm going to get home and get safe so that I have at least a <laughs> I'm not little gonna bit. Of, come to work for four days. I know. And just decompress. I know. Uh, yeah, maybe it had to do with the, uh, the 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 nonstop social activity. But I mean, well, and you guys were doing a lot of coordination leading up and during, so I understand. I was more like a a drop in, freak out, and leave where you guys <laughs> had to like slow burn that thing. You know. It's true. It's true. Uh, but one of the one of the highlights for that whole weekend was uh, uh, your episode of Dice Camera Action, which kind of started it off, um, yeah. and uh, it, it, it kind of set the tone for what D and D storytelling can can really be. Mm, that was a crazy cool episode, and I think if there is any moment that has like 
marked the beginning of a new phase of dice camera action, I think that episode was it. Because episodes 51 through now 54 mm-hmm. have been, I mean, dice camera action has always been amazing, but these have been elevated, I think, to a, a whole new level of drama and excitement and intensity. And and so a lot of people actually have, I've seen on our little subreddit or on you know comments or in chat, people saying that they've just started watching uh, because I think the hype around a lot of these episodes has kind of spread. <laughs> yeah, it's almost become like this this little like mini series of of episodes, this little arc that that Chris has been mm-hmm. putting together uh, that has yeah, you're right, just heightened the amount of uh, emotional intensity uh, <laughs> to yeah. say the word. So yeah, so for people who who, who perhaps may not have uh, uh, you know. Uh, seeing either the stream of annihilation can you can I set up a little bit like what happened and and, yeah. and, and how it's been uh, uh, played out over the last the last couple episodes um so spoilers or no is the question oh that's a good question I don't know uh, talk about it as best, best you can without too spoilery okay. but uh, uh, but, Hint, but I'll, I'll give you hintiness yes that works um so in episode 51 it started out as and this was the live episode at Stream of Annihilation. We had a guest player. It seemed pretty straightforward. Um, we we got into kind of a really cool battle, and it was a very successful battle, which is really weird if you know the Waffle Crew. We kind of <laughs> had like um, some some really good coordination, but then there was a big reveal at the end of that episode that put into sharp focus that the players or that the characters rather we're going to have to make some really tough decisions and that those tough decisions were going to be life or death for those characters. And there have been decisions now after that episode that have led to um, very much so life or death consequences for many characters in the show. And the way that the characters are dealing with those consequences in their internal emotional monologues, as well as in their relationships with each other, as well as uh, finding themselves kind of surrounded by enemies and friends old and new is uh, is leading to what I think will be a very explosive episode 55 tomorrow. Ooh. Yeah. No. That's, uh, so to, for me, the defining kind of image of it was uh, at the end, I, I, again, I'm trying to be hinty and not doing it, but like just I wanted to kind of talk about what that moment meant for you at the end when, you, when, when, when uh, Chris Perkins, the DM, uh, gave you this Choice essentially gave oh g- gave Evelyn this choice, uh, and the I don't know if you did it. I, I think you did it on purpose, but you like you put your head in your hands, and then you put your your your, your the blonde wig that you have are wearing, <laughs> kind of strands of it over the yep. front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, was that on purpose? It wasn't not on purpose, <laughs> but it it was it was fully overcome in the moment. It was it yeah. I mean, it was like if I'm I needed my hair to display how I was feeling inside. <laughs> it totally works. I don't know. I, I loved that it was like a little touch you. that you did of like, yeah, just like she, you pulled a couple of strands forward and then you had this like that that just transformed your look into, you know, because it's a blonde wig. So it the looks draggle. yeah, it looks all put together and then. You made it not put together at all. Uh, it, yeah. was, it was perfect. That, w- that was purposeful. It was an expression of my pain. <laughs> but well well I, done. I, thanks. I think, I mean, I think by this point, that choice at the end of that episode is not too much of a spoiler. So if you're listening and you don't want to be spoiled on episode 51's ending, then 
stop listening now. I'll give you a second. La, 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 But this, this has been all over Twitter. So I think this is not a huge spoiler. Um, I agree. But the, the choice was that Evelyn was told that she could save her friends, but in order to do that, she had to die. And, oh. um, Obviously, in the moment, that's a crazy thing to hear. And the blonde wig was an expression of how crazy that was. And and especially being as wrapped up as I am in this story and then being like, we'll be right back with an interview with Chris Perkins, you know, right after that. It's pretty crazy. But what was even crazier was then we had two weeks where we had no episode. And I didn't realize how um, until that, that week, I didn't realize how real Evelyn had become mm. because I kind of, you know, like put her in the back of my mind and I'm going about my business. And then every once in a while she would just be in there contemplating her mortality and, and the end of life. And I would be experiencing these like real emotions related to a fictional character that is living inside <laughs> my head and dealing with this thing that's going on in her life. And it inspired so much creativity out of nowhere. I wrote more things that week than I had written in a really long time. Wow. I um, like, and, and in order to figure out what she was going to do with it, because I kind of started thinking, okay, what, what on next Tuesday am I going to do? Like, how does Evelyn respond to this? So in order to figure that out, I wrote a will for her <laughs> to oh, try to God. figure out what she was going to do. Um, I wrote letters from her to each of the other characters that she was going to give them before she she went, if she did. Um, I wrote a hymn that she would sing because I was thinking, you know, she's probably looking for comfort. So, like, what, what does she do to comfort herself? Probably she turns back to, like, a hymn she used to sing when she was a kid. And all of those things kind of helped me develop her story and figure out who she was so that I was prepared to go into that next episode because I had no idea you know Evelyn has to die I had no idea whether that meant like right now whether that meant in the future whether she would have to die at her own hand or like let somebody else kill her I had no idea and right. so did you even think that like that there was going to be like a permanence to it like did you think that Chris was saying you had to stop playing Evelyn Chris has said before that he would never end one of our characters without talking to us about it. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so I assumed that there was at least a choice that I would make to some degree. Or in the past, he, we have had character deaths before where characters die, but they exist in some other form right. or in some other plane. So I kind of figured that it was my turn for that. Um, that's happened to both Dieth and Strix. So, but I didn't know when that would happen or what form that would take or anything like that. So, So did he really just leave you... With oh, that yeah. choice, and yeah. then you didn't talk to him at all about it. You didn't. Did you talk to the other players about it? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, like, were any <laughs> of them like, "No, don't save me and sacrifice yourself"? Well, not not out of character. I think in their characters they were like that. But uh, Jared, pro Jared, he he is the most fun to watch when things like that happen because he is so wrapped up in the story as well. His face, his eyes get huge. I think yeah. during, I think in episode 52, as soon as Chris said that, he just went, no, <laughs> whispered, no, such an uh, honest, yeah. like, yeah. uh, yeah. It was and so, you know, we were all texting and stuff, uh, just like, what, what the heck, what happened? Oh my gosh. Ah, you know, but, um, we generally don't, metagame very much we we kind of talk around it but we don't plan for what our characters are going to do outside of game at least we haven't in the past mm. we may be getting to a point where our, our stories are becoming so dramatic and so um like plotted in a cool way that i don't know maybe that'll start happening but 
right. we haven't so well, far. Well, there's always the danger with that too, because then it becomes our, our you know, one one person may have a great idea for another person's character, but then right. but then it feels disingenuous when you do, you know, right? So like, there's something pure about you guys only getting together for 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 two hours, you know, each week mm-hmm. to kind of have this like concentrated storytelling together. Um, yeah. The only thing that we have done a little bit of is. Um, like Holly and I have talked a little bit as we're doing a lot of this writing, because Holly's writing a lot about Strix as well, yeah. about kind of our characters' motivations and what they want and where they come from. And having those kinds of discussions really help us figure out how to react to things and also help us, like I can predict things better that will set Strix off in certain ways because I know more about where Holly thinks she's coming from, mm-hmm. which makes it really fun. It's a lot more along the lines of like really solid improv, I guess. That's cool. That's cool. And uh, we're talking to uh, next week, we're talking to both Holly and Jared uh, separately. So if you have any questions you want me to ask them uh, about their character uh, ahead of time, we'll make sure and get get all that. uh, I'll have to think about that. But I I, I had a choice. I was like thinking about having you guys be on together, but I liked the idea of kind of investigating each one of your characters, you know, Mm. individually and kind of get that out. So there was not of the, uh, the, uh, you know, you didn't feel like you were spoiling too much about, you know, where your motivations were unless you wanted to choose to, to share that with them, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I love that. I Because I'm such a fangirl of all of their characters. Yeah. And it's really fun for me to kind of join in on the subreddit, especially, and theorize about what their characters think and want without having any idea. So, <laughs> so it's really, really fun. Do you have a lurking account? Is that what you're saying? Uh. No, I'm pretty blatant. I don't lurk. Okay, good. <laughs> but my my username is kind of a, it's not my usual username, so a lot of people don't know it's me. So they just think it's fun. The people who hang around the subreddit a lot know who I am, but those who don't are like, who's this random person? <laughs> why does she think she knows so much? Yeah, why does she think she gets to say what Evelyn wants? <laughs> She doesn't even know Evelyn like I do. So what are you yeah. doing with all of these things that you wrote? The will, the hymn, all that? Uh, the will went into the role play because okay. Evelyn gave every single person specific items. Um, the letters I sent to the other players uh, during the episode because I thought that there was going to be more of a moment before um, things kind of came to a head where the characters might want to do something with those letters, like read them or have a moment where they talked about them, but that's just not how the episode played out. So I sat on those for a little while and actually last week when we didn't have a show, I, I said, like, okay, since we don't have a show, I'm going to dump a whole bunch of supplemental material that I've had that'll give you some background canon. So I put the oh, letters cool. on our subreddit so people could read those. Um, I also put the lyrics to the hymn on my Instagram and on the subreddit, which um, they do have a melody, but I haven't been courageous enough to post that yet we'll see oh, I, I, I want to hear it. yeah you gotta start singing right now <laughs> ah, <laughs> we're gonna put you on the spot um, <laughs> and we have we, have we have nate who's gonna be accompanying you uh <laughs> ah, <that'd be laughs> surprise fun. this is your life um but uh yeah so for for folks who are listening uh where where is the subreddit that people can go and check out some of the stuff that you've been posting it's reddit.com slash r slash dice camera action all one word and, and uh, I am not a Redditor. Like, I do not use Reddit. I got burnt out in kind of my early esports days. But that is the <laughs> safest, do. happiest, sweetest little subreddit I have ever had the pleasure of being on. Oh, and I nice. love lurking there. Oh, nice. That is cool. Yeah. And there's, I, I've been loving the, the fan art and everything that's been, been posted on there. It's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I routinely will open that or my Twitter where someone has tweeted me one of those and my mouth will just drop open. <laughs> I am blown away by the artist community around Dice Camera Action. 
What is it like seeing, you know, I- images of, uh, you know, interpreted based on things that you've Im- improvised going forward? You know, how, how does that feel from from you as a creator? Oh, my gosh. It's so cool for two reasons. First, because when there's a crazy moment that happens in the show and then someone interprets it artistically or interprets a character artistically or something like that, the emotional connection that I feel to someone that I've never met through that art is Mm. incredible. I mean, the idea that I could be feeling something that I experienced and they could have experienced it in such a real way that they communicated back to me through that art as a, a communication scientist enthusiasts, you know, that my background is in speech communication and and in symbols and how we communicate and things. So to me, that geeks me out and I love it. Um, As on the other side, as someone who's really into kind of creating the best role playing and the best character that I possibly can, I'm so thankful for those creators because they inspire me to think about different aspects of Evelyn or to help define how she looks or how she feels or what she does. And a lot of things that they bounce back to me, I then bounce back into the role play or into my own creation. Like another good example of of content I put out there last week during kind of my content dump was right when, okay, here's another spoiler. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, Don't listen. Ding, ding, ding. ding. Uh, When Evelyn changed forms, such as it were, um, (laughs) someone drew or or painted her as a in her new form. And they mentioned that they were listening to a certain song from Florence and the Machine, No Light, No Light. And um, that then got stuck in my head and thinking about how the lyrics of that song and the feel of that song um, reflect kind of what she would be going through inside. And so that inspired me to learn how to play that on my piano and then record it and then put that on my Instagram and then put that back on the subreddit and talk about how I haven't done a lot of singing or music in a long time. And this kind of brought that back to the surface for me and I was thankful for it. So it's like this never ending circle of inspiration between myself and the, and the creators on that subreddit. That's so cool. That is really cool. Yeah. Now I want to go listen to that song. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it was, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to be more courageously, vulnerably open about, uh, how much these kinds of things inspire me and how grateful I am for the amount of creativity and kind of the, the space to share that creativity. Um, yeah, I, I mean, and then something about the music too that, mm-hmm. that, that would have latched on to me because I, I mean, I'm a, 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 a pretty emotional dude in, in, in general, but like when you, when you put on like a piece of music that fits perfectly with whatever story is being told, like mm-hmm. I lose it. I just completely like, yeah. it's, it's something powerful. Maybe it's my musical theater yes. background or something like that. But like, it doesn't matter what they're singing about. They could be actually happy, but just the fact that thing, like my wife will tell this story. We went to go see the Lion King in, uh, <laughs> in, in, in London, right when we started dating and this starts and there's just this, the puppet, I don't know if, you, if anybody's seen the yeah, Lion King, it I basically have. has so many, um, um, uh, beautiful puppets, and it's like just a barrage of of sensory, really, like but with mm-hmm. people all singing together at the same time. And we had like just started dating, and she looks over at me, and I'm like, there's like tears just streaming <laughs> down my face, <laughs> and she's like, that. what are you talking? Why are you crying? I'm like, because it's just amazing. Oh, you know, I love that. That's yeah, a yeah, no, no, she totally makes fun of me for it, uh, but she loves it too at the same time. She but married you, yeah, uh, <laughs> it worked. But yeah, it, it, that idea of, of, of someone latching on to uh, an image of, of Evelyn and talking about a specific piece of music, yeah. and then you inspired, inspired and then performing that piece yeah. of music. Like if I had heard you 
uh, performing that in your apartment or whatever, like would I probably would have been. I would have had this. Crying right now. I'm crying right now. He's, he's getting emotional. <laughs> thinking about this is basically it. what I'm saying. You know what well, my favorite part of a movie is? What's that? The music montage. Oh, yeah, oh, I love a good oh, montage. Gosh, totally. I, and sometimes if I hear a song that I just like, I'm mm-hmm. just totally moved by the song. I'll like picture a movie in my head, or I'll just want to like, I want to write a movie that goes with the song. Oh, I do that like, too. The yeah. Shins do that to me a lot. Like for some reason, their music makes me feel like I want to write a movie. And listen, I just want all Shin songs. Listen yes. to this. It'll change your life. <laughs> yeah. I get it. It's, it was just – it was a really cool thing too because it – being inspired by that subreddit and by how many people were kind of putting their stuff out there. And a lot of them post post their art with messages like, oh, I don't know. I'm not perfectly happy with it or like, oh, I was scared to post this, but I love you guys so much. I want to put this out here and all that kind of stuff. And, and thinking about how I – I mean, singing used to be my life before Mm. I kind of like moved into esports and moved away from my musical community. And somewhere along the way, I just started thinking that I had lost it and that like no one would want to hear what I had to offer anymore. And I started really evaluating that because of the subreddit and because when people put their art out, I'm never thinking like, "Mm, this isn't really that good enough. I'm thinking, (laughs) wow, I'm so happy that these people are sharing something that we kind of have in common that it, it brings me joy and makes me happy. And so yeah. that's why I was inspired to put out uh, a video of me singing, even though it's kind of terrifying to me because that's the point. The point is not to prove that I'm good enough. The point is to kind of bring something from inside out and hopefully inspire others or bring others some joy. And so the, the Dice Camera Action community has really been uh, just a huge blessing to me. You know, part of maybe why they're so safe and loving and supportive and expressive is because I feel like you are very, like you're in the Uh, community a lot, you know, and they like feel like you're, you're a safe, happy, warm, welcoming person. Like you're, I hope so. I've always had that sense from you. Oh, thanks Shelly. I mean like, yeah, you're just, you're just like a nice person to be around, but it comes across in like in the community. A lot of people, I don't think put that much time, and maybe they want to, or they just, I don't know, or that they don't want to do it, but you're there. You're just, and you foster that good, goodwill. Well, uh, Shelly, I don't know if I told you, but Britt Weissman and I started a, a Shelly fan club about, uh, about you. I, I was supposed to give you the minutes today. The minutes oh, yeah. were Shelly. Shelly is awesome. And, uh, we're huge fans of her. So same goes to you, Shelly. Very warm. Oh. Very warm. Oh, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. That's awesome. <laughs> if I could sing, I would sing you a song. <gasps> oh my gosh, do you guys want to do a trio sometime? I will uh, lip sync. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do that to you guys. I just won't. I'm not going to ruin it by singing. I think you will probably be like, um, what note are you singing, Greg? I think it's supposed to be this. And I'll be like, oh, that's just what okay. I thought I should be singing. Okay. Hey, I think it'll be beautiful. That's uh, uh, Karaoke, I have to do like talk singing songs. I cannot do anything in rap? which I have to actually, I, yeah, as, as, <laughs> as Brian knows, I can rap with the best of them. Yep. Uh, but yeah, no, I do like Violent Femmes uh, or uh, They Might Be Giants. That's what I have to go with because mm. I can't actually, I, I, I'm tone deaf. I'm literally don't Karaoke is more about the performance anyway. Exactly. You, know, you can jump around and, you know, make some people uncomfortable and make some other people laugh. And that's, that's <laughs> the goal of karaoke. Yeah. I like bad singers more Mm -hmm. karaoke Mm -hmm. than like sometimes like somebody's really good up there and like snooze (laughs) get it you're good we used to go to this karaoke place in uh in new york that i didn't realize this but a lot of the tish students go to oh and so 
Yeah, that was that was the 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 hyper competitive actor uh, people who would yep. go up and and oh. uh, uh, it was a little bit more like a showcase for them. And I went up there as just messing around and was not it was not received well. And so I've always Aww. had this like uh, uh, little wound uh, from that. Uh, and uh, so yeah, and then then I went yeah, into stand up comedy where I had fix. to do more. Of that. <laughs> What's that? That's what we got to fix is those little wounds. Those little wounds are stupid. Yeah, it's true. Those people didn't know. What they had in front of them. <laughs> they didn't know. It was they're bad. jealous. That's what my mom used to always say if somebody was mean to me. They're just jealous. <laughs> they're just jealous, honey. You're right. <laughs> Those kids were jealous of you. It's true. It's true. They wanted to be as free as the, as as me uh, chopping through. I don't know how to love him. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Which my I thought mom would be to... funny. I thought it'd be funny, and they were like, "It's not funny. Get off." <laughs> I think it's funny. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> My mom used to say, you know, honey, you're so talented. If you were good at that, too, it just wouldn't be fair. Oh, good one. Yeah. So that's that's Moms. what it was, Greg. Yeah. I was too <laughs> – yeah, right. Yeah, that makes sense. You were sense. too good at other things. Yeah. Like – like, um, well, we got like we got to organize <laughs> we got to organize a D and D karaoke night. I feel like that's oh that's got to be in the mix. I'm in. I'm super in. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. Next next stream of Annihilation, we'll do something like that. <gasps> yeah. Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. So, where do you think uh, uh, Evelyn is going to go moving forward? I mean, what's what's <sighs> What, what what is your I mean because right now the the story is a little bit more on Paulton and and uh, 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 the dis- the choices that he has to make I guess right um, yeah but uh, uh, yeah I think she is dealing with having foreseen the end of her life and thinking it would go a certain way and then having it not go that way and trying to define who she is in the wake of. Um, you know, her faith says that her life would end with her transported to a different place or reborn into a new state of being that she's not in. Um, and so I think she has a lot of questions as to why. Uh, I'm trying to be really vague because I don't want to spoil for anybody, but I, uh, it's hard. It is um, hard. Um, you, you, you can, I mean, I, I feel like we can give some details away. It's not like it's, you know, going to ruin yeah. everyone's experience. I think some details might actually get people more interested in, in listening. Well, okay, I'm going to give details now. So, again, spoiler alert. If you do Um, care about spoilers, yes, do not pay attention starting now. So what happened was Evelyn uh, was transported through death in this ritual to uh, kind of her pearly gates, as it were, where she sees Lathander and the saints, and they're reaching out for her. And this is what she thinks is the end of her life. This is what she thinks she's been working her whole life for, is just to get through kind of the miserable existence that we all have on on the mortal plane, and then to get through to paradise or the next thing or, or communion with her God, right? Mm-hmm. But she gets sucked away into this demon mouth oh. and... So the question there, there's so many questions, even in just that, is A, was her God not powerful enough to save her from that damnation? Was he able but did not find her worthy to be saved from that damnation? Or was he able and did not care enough to save her from that damnation? And then add on top of that that Paulton, her fellow party member, who she's had like this crush on because he's kind of a bringer of light because he's a musician, he saves her instead of Lathander. So what does that mean? Right. Um, so so coming back from that and kind of having figured out that Evelyn's past is a lot of, um, I haven't revealed her full backstory, but a lot of it is that she 
has never really had very close relationships with any other people. And she relies completely on her closeness with Lathander to kind of fill that void for her. And she doesn't really believe that she's either worthy or capable of being loved by other people in that same way. And so um, having this happen with Lathander, probably, I, I think what it, what's happening for her is that she's kind of like believing that she will not be allowed to go into that kind of like paradise. She was not found worthy of that, but that Lathander wishes her to be used for more of his purpose on earth. Um, so I think she's kind of dealing with all of those things and trying to figure out what that means. And it's definitely making her a little more volatile, which is fun mm. um, because she's usually very kind of like, she's very binary in how she reacts to things, but now she's being a little bit more emotional, which is kind of fun to role play. Um, and there's a little bit more kind of sadness underneath the, the sunny exterior, which is always really fun to role play. And it's really fun that people are starting to see that because I think the main critique that I often got about Evelyn to begin with was like, uh, she's just kind of like really grating and annoying because she's always talking about Lathander and she's always super positive and there's nothing else to her. And so letting people kind of see where that's coming from and what's going on under the surface uh, has had a lot of people reaching out and being like, I didn't get Evelyn before and I get her now. And wow, that's cool. <laughs> you know, that is cool. Yeah. And then it took, you know, the, uh, the, the, the many sessions of her acting a certain way to really uh, underline the power of, you know, her change, right? Like to, mm -hmm. to make it be like, mm -hmm. you wouldn't, you wouldn't have felt the same way about a character that, uh, you know, you could kind of tell always had this dark exterior, the whole interior this whole time, you know? Right. But the fact that she was always this way and then now she's a little bit darker, I feel like has way more power, you know? So people are stuck I think, with it. Yeah. And what I think is really fun to role play too, is that this doesn't mean that her devotion changed. Like she's not the fallen paladin where she doesn't believe in her God anymore. She still 100% staunchly believes that the Thander is the most important thing in the entire universe, but her relationship with him has changed. And that's, what's really interesting. Yeah. Does that have any, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm thinking this from, from my lens a little bit too much as a, as a father of, of, of two girls, <laughs> but like, but does that have any, you know, father figure, things going on in, 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 uh, her psyche? I think it has at least parent figure things. Um, I'm still working on her backstory. I keep going back and forth on a certain, a few certain things, so I don't want to commit to any of it yet. Oh, okay. But, um, what has been at least hinted at is that her parents have been dead for a really long time. Mm. And I believe it's even on her character sheet from the very beginning that their the circumstances surrounding their death, um, she was involved in them and that people oh. see her as involved there. So, um, or at least she does. She carries uh, a lot of guilt. I think, uh, I think there's probably some of that there. I think there's probably also just kind of a, um, she's never really had a family. She's had a lot of people around her. You know, mm. she, she's been, in paladin school, such as it were, her whole <laughs> life. She's been devoted to to the faith her entire life. I think from a very, very young age, as soon as her parents died, she was in, in the church or in the school or in the, you know, growing up as a, a devotee of Lathander. So I think she's had really great, like, mentors and friends, but always in a sense of somebody who is charged with helping her or with, you know, being around her or accomplishing goals with her. And I don't think there have been um, many people that have 
wanted to be around her for the sake of being in a relationship with her. And so I think she actually doesn't really even understand how that works. And it's really funny, actually, for her to even have a crush on somebody because I don't think she even understands romance or um, anything beyond kind of the simple, like, bond of adventurers or of friends. And I think if you remember, that's why she got so freaking excited when Strix said that they were friends early on in the episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, so, so how do you, so how is she then processing, uh, her relationship with Paulton, you know, beyond that now, you know? Uh, I think she kind of sees him as like, She's always seen him as kind of a like a messenger of light and so therefore um, in line with her purpose on Earth. So she's like wanted to be around him because if he's there, he's playing and dancing and singing and creating light and she can celebrate that light and foster the light and help people find the light around him. And so therefore she sees him as kind of one of the like most holy uh, adventurers in their in their crew. Um, but she has definitely noticed that he has not played an instrument in a very long time. And so she's worried that there's kind of a darkness in him. And she's not even sure, too, considering that he saved her from this this demon. If Lathander wanted her to be damned and Paulton saved her from that, she's not sure if maybe he's actually a messenger of darkness. <laughs> you know, like, nice. what does that actually mean? And and can she be thankful to him for saving his li- her life while at the same time kind of like, um, condemning him for that because it's not in Lathander's plan. And so I think she's just trying to figure out what it all means. And in fact, she tried to get him to undo that by killing her right away. Cause it's the only thing she could think of. And she was kind of panicking. But now I think, I think I'm playing her as just kind of like trying to get a grasp and kind of like going slow. Um, and so I don't know what she thinks, but if he does decide to kind of turn to the darkness as things are tempting him to do right now, I think that you would see her take a very definite stance. Yeah, oh. yeah, that's what makes, I mean, that underlies that whole drama over the last episode or so. It's like, mm-hmm. what is this going to mean for for Evelyn and Paulton? Right, hmm. yeah. I think that there could be an epic, epic showdown depending on some of the choices that <laughs> Paulton makes. I know. I don't think I've ever seen Perkins deal with so, uh, uh, you know, with the potential of inter-party conflict <laughs> so yeah. much. It could be really cool. That could be really cool. (laughs) I know. I'm excited. Uh, Man. So, uh, yeah, this is happening tomorrow uh, in Twitchland. For those of you who are watching us record this live, but it will have happened in the past when you listen to this uh, episode on Dragon Talk uh, audio podcast form. Um, So, yeah, where can people find out uh, and maybe even go into some of the the, the most recent episodes for for people to get into Evelyn and, and the story that we've been talking about here? Well, a lot of people watch on Dungeons & Dragons YouTube, but I highly recommend if you check out the videos on the twitch.tv slash DND, the Dungeons & Dragons Twitch channel, because then you can watch along with chat. And the Dice Camera Action chat is amazing. They add so much to the story um, by kind of like celebrating certain memes or yelling things at the characters or knowing (laughs) a lot of things and kind of giving you context too. Because there are things that even we, the players, forget that they remember that they kind of put in chat. So... Um, a lot of my friends who, who watch via VODs have said that it's really good to watch with the chat on the Twitch VOD. So if you go to um, twitch.tv slash DND and then you click on videos, you can scroll down and find all of our 
um, all of our episodes. So I highly recommend checking that. That's out. a good call. It's almost like having like a a, a wiki, yeah, <laughs> like yes. going on time, you know, as as the episodes are going. And once in a while, Jared, Holly, and I hop in chat during the show too. So you get kind of a little extra like commentary <laughs> on the episode. Multitasking. Yeah. That is cool. It's good. Awesome. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait to see more of what's going to happen uh, tomorrow and or, uh, uh, you know, uh, Tuesday, July 11th. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depending on uh, when you're listening to this. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, I would love for people to check out, uh, you know, get into it, jump into it when you can. It's been very, very exciting uh, to see how the, the these the four of you who didn't know each other before you started playing. I think that's also really that's fascinating. Really? That's true? Yeah, isn't that crazy? And now yeah. I count them among really good friends. Yeah, I could see that. It's it's crazy. So uh, it, it go watch from the beginning if you have if you have the time or the desire. But uh, definitely, I think the last five to ten episodes have been this like really kind of high point of of, of dramatic storytelling. It's been great. So mm-hmm. go do that. Uh, Anna, I don't know you have something that I read about now, so I want to let you go. But where can people find out about you and all the stuff that you're doing? Uh, we didn't even get to talk about you know you actually having a you know Twitch and misclicks and all that going on. We didn't get to yeah. talk about your lizard who pooped on the counter. <laughs> well, actually, I just got a message saying my five o'clock meeting was canceled. So if you need a few more minutes, I've got them. But I don't know if you want to spend those literally talking about lizard poop. I, well, why I not do. now? I need to know. I didn't know this was a thing. <laughs> oh, well, I was trying because I told you, like, I feel like like I don't want to keep repeating the same things that we talked to Anna about because, you know, we, we like to talk to you. So you we like uh, having you as a guest on the show. So I went and did like a little recon mission. And I <laughs> nice. saw like this whole thing about the lizard pooping on the counter. Like I have oh to, my I got to talk about it. What happened? Uh, well, <laughs> we have a bearded dragon. His name is Rhaegal, my husband and I being the we. And um, I don't know if you know, but lizards uh, can transmit salmonella. So you're really supposed to be careful when you handle them, that you always wash your hands. And if you put them on any surfaces, you have to make sure that you're not like eating off those surfaces or touching them or all that. And I tend to be a selective germaphobe about certain things. And that's one of the things that I'm really germaphobic about. Uh, Um, and so whenever he, and the lizard, it's a big lizard, so it needs to get out and exercise and stuff. So my husband's always carrying him around and setting him (laughs) on stuff. And he set him on this ottoman the other day that we have in front of our couch. And I was like, babe, I eat off that. And he was like, this is a footstool. You don't eat off of this. It's fine. And I was trying to explain to him that an ottoman is a multi-purpose piece of furniture that can be used as a coffee table or a footstool or a seat, whatever you want. That's the purpose of an ottoman. The lizard took the most giant dump on this ottoman. And it was so gross. It's a giant lizard. I can't even express so I gave him quite an earful about that, and we got in a hilarious Twitter war about it because he posted a picture of it, which I think is disgusting. <gasps> oh. Oh. And then I called him out for not listening to me when – and before that, he had him on one of my throw pillows, and luckily he moved him from that throw pillow or things oh, would have gotten – that is – Yeah, you know, this is, the, this is the Robinson home life. <laughs> <laughs> Men just don't get – Throw pillows. I don't know why they. Are you hostile about throw pillows? No, I'm I'm pro. I'm pro pillow. Bart is really like angry about throw pillows. He's just like every now and again he makes some passive aggressive comment about how many throw pillows we've got. <laughs> like they're important. I actually have specific pillows that I prefer. They're like the yes. they're from I- IKEA and they're thinner. They're like <laughs> maybe like eight inches wide and mm-hmm. long. And I like those because uh, they're more modular. You can make it uh, – if yeah. all you want is a little bit of cushion, you got a little bit of yeah, cushion. Yeah, he doesn't appreciate them. Yeah, so then I got – but and then I started finding those pillows, like, 
tucked away, like far, like not on the couch. Oh, I was like, no. why the hell are those pillows not there? She's like, oh, I want to just get rid of them and move them down. I'm like, no, those are my <laughs> those are my. See, you're on the same page as us about the importance of the right throw pillow. Exactly. Yeah. I do yeah. know that there can be too many of them. Like that's on one, what he thinks. There's on one piece of furniture, many. if there's like more than six throw pillows, I that's think that's too lot. much. I think that's too much. Did you know you're only supposed to have odd numbers of throw pillows on what? things? Like that's like a decorator yeah. thing. My mom's what? an interior decorator. And, like, she would call people and be like, that, you have four throw pillows on your couch. You need to have three or five. <gasps> what? That's thing. not a rule. It's a thing. It's a rule. But I feel like two makes so much sense on a couch. But yeah. there should be one in the middle. Oh or, like, gosh. one side gets, like, an extra. And then it, like, kind of – then maybe it, like, it doesn't feel like it's forced or – I mean, that makes so much sense. Random. I just didn't realize what I had been doing wrong this whole time. If you change it, you might, like – all of a sudden, the energy in your house might be like, whoa. <laughs> you're, whoa. you're right. Your lizard won't want to poop. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. It's crazy. It's so gross. Yeah. But Bart I'm glad we like, got to share this me story. Me too. He acts like he's moving boulders. He's like, oh, throw pillows on the <laughs> bed. Another one. Oh, wait. There's throw pillows on the bed? Yes. Oh, so that's dumb. No. No pillows on the bed. Why? Because you're going to have to move them. That's big freaking dealer pillows. Well, and Quinn likes them? to be propped up sometimes. When I'm we're talking about couches. Couches is is, couches is pillow have, yeah. central and but like, the bed. I never understood. You go to like some like a guest like in their guest room. They have like basically pillows out, out to the foot of the bed. I'm right. like, yes. where do you sleep? You move them. I know. I always feel bad because that I have that at my at my in laws. They have this beautiful bed that we stay in, but it has like seven pillows, <laughs> and and I'm always like, I don't know what. I don't know what to do. Like, I can't sleep on these many pillows, no. so I'm just going to have to put some of these They're on the floor. They're pillows. You throw but them But it's so out. beautiful. <laughs> you throw them. You throw the throw you pillows. You see, you appreciate the decor, and then you throw them off. Got it. Done. Okay, good. So I'm yeah. doing it right. I'm sitting there and being totally. like, wow, I yep. appreciate this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. anyway, do you do that when you get to a hotel for the first time, and there's tons of crap on the bed? My first thing mm-hmm. I do is I just, like, sweep it all off onto the, into mm-hmm. the corner. I don't feel yeah. like I've ever seen that much stuff on the oh. bed. There's always that one throw pillow that you look at and you're like, there's no way they wash that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right? like, is that is that the stain I think it is? No. We're, no. No, it's not. Dude, that's what that's I'm saying about this, like, select, <laughs> this selective germophobia. It's like I do not want to put my face on that pillow or any pillow that that pillow has touched because you know <laughs> – that that's been just like, like me, people come in and they throw that on the floor. Or they, hope I don't know, step on it or roll things in it. I don't know. Roll stop, things in Stop it. coming up with things that they might have done with it because <laughs> it'll just end in, in pain. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. Gross. Uh, so I think uh, we have a split panel on throw pillows. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet us your ideas about throw pillows. At- and how it pertains to Dungeons and Dragons, and right. should there be yeah. uh, should there be pillows in the shape of polyhedral dice? I yes. say yes. Yes. Oh my gosh! <gasps> I'm gonna Etsy. make one You should. That's oh my god, amazing. that is a total Etsy move. They're probably right. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there is on Etsy already. I love it. Make it happen. Yeah. I want I want a D20 because that I don't know if that'd be comfortable per se, but it would just look cool. Yeah, well, it'd be more that, comfortable see, than a D4. You Ow. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did you say that was something you would throw? Like, a, like it's a, yeah, a oh, D20? Yeah. Throw pillow, would, yeah. for real. That's, yes, there's the name of your company. Throw pillows. <laughs> throw or pillow. roll pillows. Yeah. Uh, thank you, uh, Pendragon X 315 who says, tune into D&D and learn feng shui. See? Yes. yes. You never know. I actually did just completely move all the furniture in my apartment for feng shui this weekend. So I, it's a very relevant conversation. All right. It now makes perfect sense. Adjust those pillows and see what happens. Yes, now. <laughs> anyway, sorry, this is a huge tangent. You asked me where people can find... 
stuff. Yes, just, yeah, okay. more about uh, uh, misclicks D&D Risen or, yes. yeah, go ahead. So misclicks, M-I-S-S-C-L-I-K-S, no second C, extra S. Do you ever regret that? <laughs> uh, no, because it's great SEO because the word misclick is out there all over the place, but miss as in, hi there, miss, and click without a C, you will always find us, but it's just important to spell it for the first time if people don't know about it. So That is true. You know, and anyway, M-I-S-S-C-L-I-K-S, that's our channel where uh, my first D&D game ever was played, and we're still playing with that uh, a permutation of that same group four years later, and we play right after Dice Camera Action every Tuesday. So if you tune into Dice Camera Action right after that at 6 p.m., we play Miss Clicks D&D Devotion, which is basically like a soap opera D&D game. It's become hilarious. Um, <laughs> and I play a, a very emotional uh, elf bard named Kellen. Ooh, very uh, cool. And so you can watch me play there. But if you want to watch other stuff that Miss Clicks is doing on this channel on D&D, I produce a show called Miss Clicks D&D Risen. I don't play in it, but some of my favorite role players ever play in it. And they play from four to six every Wednesday Pacific time. And they're hilarious. My favorite part so far has been that uh, Britt Weissman led a Triceratops funeral that they oh. all participated in and, and sang chants and did interpretive hand movements. It was very, very good. Wow. Yeah. I loved so, uh, that Britt, uh, who, who's been you know playing D&D with Misclicks for a while, yeah. uh, at Stream of Annihilation, she said this was the first time that she had played face-to-face with people. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. I, that blew my mind. I was like, "That's so First crazy!" Ever, ever. Wow. She had only played online using you know Roll Twenty or or, yeah. or another virtual tabletop type thing, and uh, then she got to play face to face with people. And it was the first time. I'm like, oh "That what w- we are in the future. We are firmly in the future." That that when Brit said that. And then she went back in time. And then she went back in time. That's a very misclick story because I actually didn't play face to face with anyone for a year or two. When I started playing Dungeons and Dragons, most of us. Or worse, <clears throat> where you're like, Ugh. it's just totally different. Um, it's even interesting playing with dice camera action face to face because I'm so used to improving and role playing with them, where they're all in my field of vision in one plane all the time, so I can right. get everyone's cues. Um, so in that sense, it's easier. But when you're face to face, you can also go a lot deeper and read a lot more cl- cues um, yeah. for improv. So it's just totally different in cool ways. Good point. It's a really good point. I, I always tend toward, I mean, I've, I've played some online games, but I've always tended toward the uh, the face-to-face stuff, but I never even thought of the idea that, like, oh, you're able to see yeah. small movements from each of your players, you know, mm-hmm. on, on, on one video screen. That's a, that's a good point. Right, because in person, if I'm looking at Jared, right, I can have a really cool, very deep, connected moment in improv with Jared, but I can't see Holly. Yeah. Whereas if I'm playing online and I see that Holly is actually doing something really cool that's maybe, like, worthy of bringing that into the moment, then I can do that at the same time, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's really cool, right? They both have their, their, their formats, both have uh, yep. strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can always usually find a way to get on the internet and play together every week online helps when you're traveling all over the place all the time <laughs> for me. So the consistency is a really... A bonus. Right, because, you know, in addition to all of the amazing stuff you've been talking about that you've been doing creatively uh, and and playing-wise, you also have another job. I have a couple, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I work full-time at Twitch as the lead producer for Twitch Twitch Studios, and I freelance as a video games personality and host across all sorts of geek media um, on most weekends, and then I run Misclicks as kind of my passion project, so I try to keep busy. 
guess. Try. I don't know. You could try a little harder yeah. is what I'm trying to say. I will. I'll put my, my best into it for you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, you know, uh, when we were talking to uh, uh, Ram in the previous um, uh, interview, there were people in the chat were basically saying, like, take a, take a rest. Slow down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, you're we're okay. You don't need to create anything this next hour. Uh, but you know, as long as you're doing things that you know feed you creatively and give you a sense of self care, you know you can keep really busy as long as it's not the draining kind of busy. Right. True. And it keeps inspiring your creativity, which it sounds like you are definitely doing. I'm feeling it. Yeah. Yep. Firing on all cylinders. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read a, a thing. I'm thinking about. I'm getting a new tattoo, and I've been trying to figure out what I'm going to get. Ooh. I think it's going to be a hummingbird. So I was doing some reading about hummingbirds. No way. And uh, they expend. Uh, so much energy during the day that it's equivalent to like a human needing to eat something like 1300 hamburgers <gasps> because they expend so much energy and then they crash and they sleep like the dead for t- 12 hours a night. So wow. they're awake and going full bore, full cylinder for 12 hours and dead to the world for 12 hours. And that's how I feel like I want to live my life. That's, <laughs> I like it. Hey, uh, but I would be happy with 12 hours of sleep. Well, and that's why they eat nothing but sugar, right? Like that's basically why yeah. they're like, they are like sugar hounds because they need all that energy. Kind of. It's which I also awesome. relate to, yes. Yeah, which is just like <laughs> my, my, my kids. I, hummingbird is an awesome tattoo. I just recently was walking my kid to school, and we saw a hummingbird in our neighbor's lawn, and it was – I have never seen this behavior before. Maybe you have. I don't know. Shot up into the air 30 feet, hovered for like a, three seconds, and then zhoo, dove down. <laughs> no. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Shut and it, it did it like four times in a row, five times in a row. We're like, oh, my gosh, he's going to do it again, and it was – Almost so that you couldn't see it because they're so small. Yeah. And then it dove right back down to, towards the uh, really? the uh, flowers it that it was doing. drinking from. I don't know. And then I they're little s- they're little warriors too, which I didn't know until Holly educated me and I did some more research because Holly knows everything about birds. She's amazing. <laughs> She's the pigeon rescuer. I yeah. Didn't know that either I know. I can't yeah, wait to ask her about she, that. I know. She was like, "Yeah, hummingbirds are badasses. You should do some research. They are like super warrior territorial fighters too, and they uh, they'll like defend their turf. They're totally Totally cool until they have to, and then they'll throw down, which I kind of like too. Nice. Yeah. Now I want to play like a, a a pixie or a small, you know, very small creature who rides hummingbirds in yes. into battle. Oh, cute. Yeah. Maybe totally. there was a pixie riding that one. You saw. There probably was. <laughs> no, that makes sense. <laughs> That's the good explanation. Yeah, the brownies from Willow. You were totally riding <laughs> that one. Well, it has been awesome talking to you as always, uh, and I, I feel like we could do it for 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 hours and hours and hours. Yeah, me too. Thank you guys for having me anytime. Uh, we, we will take you up on that. Absolutely. So t- uh, next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <I'm down. laughs> All right, cool. I'll just let people know Hi, I have a safe meeting at this time. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll see you on Dexcram Action tomorrow. Yeah, see you then. Thank you guys so much. Thank I'll talk you. to you soon. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> uh, so that was so great talking to Anna. She's a very good uh, speaker. I, it's almost like she's like been trained or educated in speaking. Yeah, right. In speak communication, speak. speech communication. Yep. That's, how, yep. that's how you say it. She's I like have not pro, been trained man. in any of those things. You're a so, theater major. I, well, I was the tech theater major. Oh. I, they probably forced you to take acting classes. I do. Well, I volunteered. I, had to take tech I, I was interested in it, but I never. I was. That was not my, uh, my my field of study. I was way more into the stage managing, producing side of things. Oh. 
Yeah. Which is why you liked the stream of annihilation. Yeah. Did yeah. It tap people, into that stage manager side of you. Totally. We talked to uh, uh, you know certain people would come up to me and have problems and things that would solve it, and then they, they would apologize. They'd be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I have to be deal this with you. I, you must be dealing with a lot of this crap." I'm like, "Well, yeah, but I, I kind of like Good it." Good job. Yeah, because it's part of you know being always on and ready to to solve problems and and create. Yeah, the show must go on. Was was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I get yeah. a weird sick joy from it. Ugh, not me. Yeah. And that's what I discovered, yeah, because the person who asked me was like, oh, that's, that would, I would hate that. And I'm like, oh, well, to each his own. Well, it takes all kinds. Yeah. People to mess things up and people to fix them. You're definitely the messer up. And you're a fixer. I'm a fixer up. You're like Olivia Pope. <laughs> fixer. I'm just like Olivia Pope. I drink red wine. I eat, eat popcorn. popcorn. Always wear a white coat. Yeah. I'm obsessed with the president. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed, I have my own firm in D.C. There, there's more and more similarities yeah. going on. Yeah, friends with a hacker guy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Shelly, what is something that you want to talk about that's going on in your world and or tell people how to follow you? I, you can find me on Twitter at Shelly Moo. Yes. And what talk. about uh, this uh, board game company you're working on? Avalon Hill. I, I'm not Have familiar. you heard of Avalon Hill? Can you tell us about it? You can it? follow Avalon Hill on Twitter, too, at Avalon Hill 2, the number two. Number. Electric Boogaloo. Beast Yes. Yes. Beast Absolutely. Just happening. I, right. And, um, yes, October 6th is going to be a good day for board game fans because, actually, the Access and Allies Anniversary Edition re-release, Sean, this is for you. This is for you, Sean. The release date is now October 6th, which is also the same date as Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Sorry, dude. So you got two awesome board games for the price of it two is. awesome, really it expensive is. board games. Avalon Hill Day at your game shop. Go yeah. pick them up. And, uh, and bring a friend because that know. anniversary edition is huge. I didn't know the anniversary edition thing was uh, was was out there. Uh, we can talk about that now? Yes. Yes. Like, yes, we can. We it is an amazing <laughs> version of Axis and Allies. Yeah, and I a- actually said it. Yeah. Weeks ago. That's what I'm At making. Origins, you're right. right. Yes. Just making sure. Yep. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, well, you already said it, so it's not like you like, take it there. back. Uh, it's my favorite version of the Axis and Allies uh, kind of rule set. So. It's Sean's too, right? Sean? It's been out of print for a long time. Is Sean is nodding his head. Yeah. He's saying yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. A lot of people, we've heard. I've heard. Um, so October 6th is going to uh, be a day that lives in infamy uh, because. <laughs> It starts in 1941 after yeah. Pearl Harbor. Good one. Yeah. Dad lives in Find out about that. Uh, you can fear hear more things about. <laughs> I'm just like Rocky, the Paw Patrol pup. <gasps> yes. Thank you, Rockham. Oh, that's so cute. I feel like you have a uh, kindred spirit with Rockham uh, uh, being your name. Do we, we'll call you Rocky from now on. Rock-ham. And you're so environmentally friendly. I'm very environmentally friendly. Who would I be? Uh, the one that flies. Don't say Sky. Damn it. <laughs> because she's a girl. I, this is the only one I, the other name that I know. Spike? Is no. that one? No. Uh, Shasta? No. Is that one of the Paw Patrol people? I don't, I think I'd be Marshall. Which one's the bulldog? Rubble. Yeah. <laughs> Rubble on the double. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, just wait. You can find just out. Wait. 
Uh, or you can tweet at me which Paw Patrol character you think I might be, uh, or Shelly might be. I'm at Greg Tito on Twitter. You can find out about Dungeons of the Dragons at DungeonsOfTheDragons.com. Also on Twitter at uh, Wizards underscore D&D. You can like us on Facebook at Dungeons and Dragons as well as Instagram. We're going to start posting some more Ooh, stuff on Instagram. there. Yeah, we'll, we'll link can, into that. Take as, your picture right now and put it on Instagram. You could do it. You could. Right, That's the, the beauty of grams that are instant. What else is there going on? Yes, you should definitely watch us talk about this live on Twitch. Uh, it is twitch.tv slash dnd. If you're listening to this, uh, you can see it all in all of its visual mm-hmm. glory. Shelly and I like to do lots of dances. Uh, there's also now stage uh, some wrestling stage comment that happens uh, when Ryan Marth throws the chairs at us. And We're you won't inspired be able to by see glow. That. You won't be able to see that anywhere else except on our Twitch channel. So go Don't check it out it. there. Um, again, we love uh, li- uh, all of you people who listen to it in audio form. Please continue to get it uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we'll have some more exciting podcast news coming very soon uh, that may have to do uh, with actual play podcasts. Now what? Just throwing that out there. It's a tease. I'm teasing. It's been a great Dragon Talk. You guys are the best. We will be back next week with more hilarity and or uh, cartoon <laughs> characters. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah? All right, we'll do it. Yep. You guys are the best. We're doing it. See you later. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye.